Hey, welcome. Take a seat. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 John 4. And if you've got the, the Pew Bible, it's page 1023. Uh, if you're a little surprised to see me up here, I don't know what happened, but somebody signed leave papers for the Halpins. Must have been Larry, soft-hearted Larry. Air Force, give them anything they want. Can't believe it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read uh, here in uh, the first six verses where we are today. Uh, so read along with me. Uh, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have, go have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Lord God, we pray that you would inhabit our praises today and that you would give us discernment to understand the spirit of truth and to recognize the spirit of error. We lift all these things up in your precious son's name, Jesus Christ. Um, in today's world of hypersensitivity, people seem to have to walk on eggshells all the time. You know, there is no end to the actions and usually it's just the words that are considered microaggressions that trigger certain victims. Uh, and certainly, yeah, there have always been offensive and crude and hateful things that people have said about others, and we should discourage those things. But when you talk to most people of common sense, while the pendulum may have been over there, now it's somewhere at 470 or maybe Wanamaker. I mean, it's gone way over to the other side. But as Christ followers, we have a tendency to avoid conflict and we don't want to offend others because we want the main thing, the gospel, to be the main thing. Uh, we should all seek to earn, not demand, a hearing by our walk, by our character, and by our love demonstrated for others. We are told in the word to always tell the truth, but always in love. Always good advice when you're dealing with the world. When we sometimes get so focused on the truth that we forget about the love part, we can turn people away from the good news. However, 
when we lean too far to the love side, it's possible to lose sight of the truth. We can be so loving that we really never get to the gospel. And ironically, when we do that, we're not being loving. In the name of love, we will ignore the problem of sin that separates mankind from God, forgiveness, cleansing of guilt, and eternal life. Now, this is the least loving thing that we can do. So, when you consider the vapor that we call this life compared to eternity, which do you think is more important? Being nice and friendly now or where that person's going to spend forever? Now, when relating to people within the church, of necessity, we sometimes need to be a bit more confronted. These are our own. And Paul tells us in Galatians 6 that if a brother or sister is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, the more mature, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted by your pride, perhaps. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's within the church. However, when it comes to the matter of false teachers who have the power of influence and the ability to corrupt the body of Christ, in a sense, the gloves must come off. James warns that those who teach will be judged by a greater strictness in James 3. Now, uh, if you'll remember, the Apostle John addresses false teachers in the second chapter of this book, 1 John, and now he returns to the subject in chapter 4. And of course, as we've said, this study is about knowing that you have eternal life. It's assurance of salvation. And Judge John says that he writes these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's very, very important. That's our goal with the book. Uh, and this is what we call expository teaching. In other words, we're going through this verse by verse and as a whole to understand what it means. And the main point of today's passage is that true Christ followers must test all teachers. Why? Because there's vulnerable people out there and they can be led astray. And if we as sheep, all of us, are going to mingle in a Christian culture of fluffy wool, isn't it important that we understand what wool is simply covering wolves? After all, if John's goal is to impart how we can have assurance of salvation, it seems appropriate that he would warn of the primary source of deception and distraction within the church today, as it was in his. So, to get right down to it, um, I'm going to show, we're going to show a video next. Uh, and, uh, you know, I said last time that I'm not going to show you a rock video. I didn't say I wouldn't show you one of these, though. In fact, I did several years ago when we were in... Uh, the Stone Table Theater, and it was a jib-jab, 
if you know what that is. It had my face on it, if you remember the old timers. And uh, it was kind of funny. This one's not so funny, okay? It's more serious, and it's talking about a very serious problem within the church that resides within the United States. So let's take a look. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Special dedication to my brothers and sisters on the great continent of Africa, the saints in Malawi, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Zimbabwe. Don't be deceived by what America's sending y'all, yeah. man. Let me begin. While there's still ink left in my pen, I'm set to contend. For truth, you can bet will offend. Deception within. The church, man, who's letting them in? We talked about this years ago. Let's address it again. Yeah. And I ain't really trying to start beef. But some who claim to be part of the sheep got some sharp teeth. And cats get mean when you criticize them. But Jesus told us Matthew 7, 16, we can recognize them. And God forbid that for the love of some fans, I keep quiet and watch them die with their blood on my hands. So there's nothing left for me to do except to speak to you In the spirit of Jude 3 and 2 Peter 2 And I know that some will label me a Pharisee Because today the only heresy is saying that this heresy I'll dare to be specific and drop some clarity On the popularity of the gospel of prosperity Turn off TBN, that channel is overrated The pastors speak bogus statements, financially motivated It's kind of like a pyramid scheme Visualize heretics Christianizing the American dream It's foul and deceitful, they're lying to people Teaching that camel squeeze through the eye of a needle Ungodly and wicked Ask yourself, how can they not be convicted? Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket And you're thinking they're not the dangerous type Cause some of the statements are right That only proves that Satan comes as an angel of light This teaching can't be believed without a cause The lie is you can achieve a crown without a cross And I hear it all the time when they speak on the block Even unbelievers are shocked how they're in the flock It should be obvious then Yeah, I'll explain why it's sin Peep the Bible, it's in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 it talks about how the desire for riches Has left many souls on fire and stitches Mired in ditches Tell me who would teach you to pursue as a goal The very thing that the Bible says will ruin your soul Huh? Yet they're encouraging the love of money To make it worse They've exported this garbage into other countries My heart breaks even now as I'm rhyming You wanna know what all false teachers have in common? What? It's called selfism The fastest growing religion They just dress it up and call it Christian don't be deceived by this funny biz If you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God Money, money is Jesus is not a means to an end no. The gospel is he came to redeem us from sin And that is the message forever I'll yell If you're living your best life now, you're headed for hell Talk to him Joel Osteen Let him know Crackle Dollar is a false teacher Benny Hinn is a false teacher I know they're popular, but don't let them deceive ya Talk to him T.D. Jakes is a false among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction in 
many will follow their sensuality And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words Their condemnation from long ago is not idle And their destruction is not asleep 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3 You know, uh, if you read uh, the news, watch it, or whatever, you could easily come to the conclusion that the world hates the United States. But let me tell you, much of the world, especially the Christian world outside, idolizes the United States. Because we are a beacon to many, many people and that's exactly what Shay Lin is talking about. Because what he's saying is that we are exporting spiritual heresy to these people who are looking to us for spiritual leadership. And in the process, he does the unthinkable, not just within the culture, but even within the Christian culture. He names names. Now, this is a pretty diverse congregation, and if you came from a certain church background or tradition, or maybe you just happened to listen or uh, read uh, some of the teachers that he has mentioned, yeah, you might be offended today. Um, but I think if, you know, I've done no exhaustive research on all these teachers. I simply don't have the time. But if you read trusted sources, I think what you'll find is that everybody's in agreement that all of these and perhaps some others have strayed from the text of the word, have added or subtracted from it, or in some way have denied the deity of Christ. Now, this is a subject we've covered a number of times before. I put on your handout uh, four messages where I've touched on it, and I'm sure Mike and others have touched upon this as well. Uh, and uh, you know, you can review past messages from all the teachers here, if you just go on the website, it's, it's right there, and uh, you can see what we've done. We, we, we addressed this last spring uh, when we were in chapter 2. And as I mentioned earlier this month, John uses, he sets up a contrast here between God's spirit and the spirit that does not confess the deity of Christ, between true teachers and false teachers. And so in this passage, there are six references each to the phrase of God and the phrase the world. And he warns that our greatest threat is from those within the church. And he exhorts us to test the spirits, to see our, if they are of God and not of the world. In fact, he gives us four means by which to accomplish that purpose. And the first is, what is the spirit behind the teacher? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this may shock you, but here's a simple truth about teachers. Whether it's in the classroom, you know, the college auditorium, or behind a pulpit. The fact 
that the person is standing behind a lectern or a podium or a pulpit, whatever it may be, does not mean that they are right. Okay? Contrary to what you learned in elementary school, if you were in public school or whatever, you've got to be careful with whomever you're listening to. And so, uh, it is always, even for a well-intentioned, godly teacher, it's impossible to communicate accurately all the time because you've got your own background and your own way of looking at things and everybody listening to you has a different background and a different sense of what's going on. And so there's always the possibility of miscommunication uh, in any kind of teaching. But it's also possible that that handsome young man up there behind the podium or this thing is a false teacher about which John warns here. Uh, and we've, we've mentioned in those previous uh, messages, false teachers can be some of the most engaging, charming, and friendly people you'll ever, ever know. They can say the most pleasant things, and they can make the listeners feel so good. Uh, people may feel drawn to their charismatic personality. False teachers can gain the trust and loyalty of others, especially if the teacher is drawing in the crowds and the loyalists measure truth by the numbers of the people listening. What makes this determination even more difficult is that much of what false teachers teach or preach is true. But the fact that they speak approvingly of Jesus does not mean that they believe in Jesus in the sense that the Bible tells us to. John warns that all false, all false teachers, all teachers should be screened and tested. The word believe and trust in verse 1 are imperatives, commands that call for continuous action. We must do so constantly. These Greek verbs are in the plural, meaning all of us are to conduct a vigorous examination to discern whether the teacher in front of us is genuine. We are to determine the spirit of the teaching, whether it's from God or from some other source, some other spirit, from the world. Uh, and, and as John points out, these false teachers are everywhere. Many have gone out into the world. You could actually say they are missionaries for Satan. Finally, the church should be equipped to correct any error even by true, genuine, and well-intentioned teachers. The, but the false teacher is the one who intentionally teaches subtly and attractively doctrinal heresy. And so that kind of a teacher is, much, is a much more serious threat to the flock. You know, uh, false teachers was, were nothing new to John and the other apostles. We read about them in the Old Testament and in the New. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul issues his concern for the deception he perceived in the local church in Corinth. And he said, I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband, Jesus, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. The body is the bride of Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, 
your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received from us, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted from us, you put up with it readily enough. I don't know what putting up with it meant to those at that time, but if it's anything like some people today, it would be, oh, okay, you're, you're so sincere. You speak so convincingly and with authority. You're friendly and you're at least as nice as Paul and his group, so thank you for helping us better understand what Paul was trying to teach us. However, Paul wants to make sure that they understand. He confirms his love for them and then he says this later in the same passage, and what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Okay? Okay, some of you may need to pull your toes in here just a little bit. Uh, this problem most often, not always, but most often arises in Christian circles where there's an emphasis on unusual things like faith healing and slaying in the spirit and the like. When the focus is removed from God's word and people are distracted by what they call signs and wonders and promises of health and wealth, it opens the door to spiritual deception. Remember, spiritual activity is not necessarily godly activity. The problem of false teachers is so prevalent that we are warned continuously in the word by Paul, by Peter, by Jude, and of course, most of all, by Jesus himself. Now, depending on how church leadership is structured, this is more, there is more or less of a risk of false teaching. In some churches, some of you have come from these churches, the pastor's word is final. Now, to be honest, this can be and often is a result of lack of other spiritual leadership, qualified leadership within that church. And I have no doubt that many of those pastors who are on their own basically, you know, preaching the word and cleaning up after everybody leaves are on target. However, the risk of heresy is greater when the pastor teacher is accountable to no one. Whether the church is small or large but especially in large church bodies. Now, let me say, I do not believe that all large church bodies have this problem. You know, Mike has, has said that uh, when he was an elder at, at Topeka Bible Church, Jim Congdon was subject and accountable to all the other elders, okay? And he was humble about it and all that. Uh, it can be a little intimidating. My son uh, is, he's in approaching his mid-40s and he's an elder at TBC right now. And he says it's pretty intimidating when some of the people walk up to him and say, you're an elder and it's your job to keep Jim accountable because Jim's approaching 70. And uh, he's one of the best known 
teachers around. At Lion and Lamb, uh, the teachers are accountable to other leaders. We meet monthly to review each teaching in the service and in the Sunday school. Uh, and it's very, very important that we do that because no one can fully appreciate how they've come across. I struggle with that all the time. I don't know whether I'm making any sense or not. But it is important to get feedback from others. No teacher, no elder, nobody calls all the shots. We are accountable to one another. But we want you folks, the saints within Lion Lamb, to hold us accountable as well, to ask questions about the teaching. We want you to feel that we are approachable. It is certainly possible for any of our teachers, I could be off target on a particular point. Therefore, each of you should test the spirit, look at, look at the word, see if it makes sense. And if, even if you're not sure, even if there's a miscommunication, we want you to come talk to that teacher or another leader if necessary because we want to be subject one to another. It's vitally important that everybody tests the spirit and we are subject to one another in love. We happen to believe, we may be wrong, but I don't think so, that our structure is closer to the New Testament model that we see there in, in the Word. Next, uh, does the teacher confess the true Jesus? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. The primary test for a teacher is what is sometimes called the Christological question. That's a 75 cent word for who is Jesus. The answer you might hear could be that Jesus was a good man. He was a great prophet. Uh, he was one who taught and lived an example for all. Or he's even a way to God, among others. Now, the English author C.S. Lewis scoffed at these possibilities. Paraphrased, Lewis said, when you hear Jesus claim to be the Son of God, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. There are really only three options. One is that Jesus is a liar. Another is that He is a lunatic. Or He is Lord. In other words, Lewis argues convincingly that Jesus Himself rejects and contradicts all those nice and favorable but inadequate and false descriptions of himself. And we know that Lewis concluded that he was the incarnation, the God in the flesh, the only eternal lifesaver in a sea of imposters. In other words, there is no compromise position for Jesus in the middle. We are told to test the spirits in verse 1 and the Jesus question in verse 2 is the clearest and most important test of the Spirit. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And this confession is not some you know, recitation of an official statement of faith. It is a genuine expression of genuine belief in the heart, soul, and mind. One thing cannot be overstated. 
the real, authentic, and genuine Christian faith stands or falls on one truth, that Jesus was born into this world as fully man, yet fully God as his Father willed. This is what we call the incarnation, God in the flesh. The, uh, the Holy Spirit enabled us to, to discern the false spirits who do not confess Jesus as God. Jesus said in, in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This glorification of Jesus as the God-man is a mark of God's spirit. If Jesus is not recognized and glorified as God, there is no spirit of God in that teacher. What's amazing when you read Mark 1 and chapter 5, that even the demons recognized and bowed down before Jesus when many professing teachers today do not. Verse 3 is simply the negative of verse 2. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now, you'd think that the early church, being closer to God and having the apostles there with them and, and or very, very, uh, very near to them, that they would be closer to the truth. But remember, they didn't have the New Testament. They were simply soaking everything up that the apostles... We're teaching them. But then others came purporting to, to speak like the apostles, but they were false prophets. They would add things. They would subtract things. They would twist things around. As mentioned by Willie this morning, the, there's a group called the Docetists. They taught that Jesus, uh, the Son of God, was just a ghost. And he only appeared to be human, but he was not fully man. Another teacher named Serenthus taught that Jesus was fully and only man. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, but that spirit abandoned him on the cross. Uh, today, there are many groups who deny the Trinity in one way or another. And let's name some names here. Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Scientists, Traditional Armstrongism, founded by Herbert W. Armstrong, the Unification Church started by Reverend Sun Moon, if some of you remember that one from a long time ago, Oneness Pentecostals, and, of course, Mormons, a.k.a. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, there's actually a couple of these groups, not these, but some other ones, very near to us. The headquarters are very near to us. Uh, if you ever go over to Independence, Missouri, and you, let's say you want to visit the Truman Library, which I highly recommend, you will see this towering spiral, okay? You can't miss it. It's a landmark over there. And that's the headquarters of the reorganized Latter-day Saints. It's a more liberal branch of the Mormon church. It's now called the Community of Christ. It's a little less intimidating title and more inviting. Uh, and uh, uh, just a few miles south of there, when I was uh, 16, got my license, I and others of my group we would drive around the southeast part of Kansas, and at that time it was mostly woods. We'd be looking for places to party. And there's this little highway, and it'd go by this uh, big compound with brown brick and had this big tall tower on it. And I, so one time I asked my mother, uh, what is that? And she explained to me, well, uh, that is the Unity 
church of Christianity. And Kent, they are weird. And <laughs> she was right. Uh, that's their headquarters there. You know, and, and these faith groups will oftentimes be very close to Christianity in certain terms and sound doctrinally correct, like they believe in Jesus. But simply saying you believe in Jesus does not a Christian make. But you might say, what about believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved? Well, again, all things in context of the whole counsel of God. When one says he believes in Jesus, is that genuine faith that Jesus alone saved him by his sacrifice on the cross? Is it that he uh, is one of the ways to God among many others? Or does he mean that he believes in Jesus was a historical figure and actually lived and lived a great life and example, period. Not God at all. You just don't know. You just don't know. Uh, so when somebody makes that statement, I believe in Jesus, you can say, well, great. But can I ask you, what does that mean to you? Or who really is Jesus to you? And their answer to the Jesus question will tell you pretty much all you need to know about their theology. You'll find some of these cult followers will live exemplary outward lives. You know the, the guys who come to the door with the white shirts and the black ties? Clean cut, you know, everything seems to be on track until you hear what they've got to say. Uh, some will have very similar worldviews and politics, just like yours and mine. Radio host Glenn Beck is a Mormon. Some pretty famous people have gotten involved in cultic or occultic practices. I don't know if any of you watched the Democratic debates. I didn't. But what I understand is one of the people on stage was a lady named Marianne Williamson. And she is a New Age advocate and adherent, and she's running for president. I'm pretty sure she's not going to win, but she's running. She got on stage, okay? She got her career started by becoming a confidant of Oprah Winfrey. Then Hillary Clinton invited her to the White House when Hillary was residing there. And Bill and Hillary Clinton both openly bragged after that meeting that Hillary, quote, communed with the ghost of Eleanor Roosevelt. Now, why Eleanor? That's a different story. There's a reason for that if you know about Franklin. Uh, but to be fair, let's to be balanced here, Nancy Reagan consulted with an astrologer in her attempts to protect her beloved husband, President Ronald Reagan. Now, I'm, I'm saying these things just so you'll understand the diversity of the spirit of Antichrist that's out there and how far the world has gone in considering things that are or could very soon be mainstream. We've got a presidential candidate who can get on stage. If we've got former presidents who are involved with that sort of thing, it's not far from being mainstream. For Christians, though, the fact that Jesus came as fully man and was fully God and is the only way to the Father God, as well as the Trinity, 
one God and three persons, those are essentials for our faith. John finishes verse 3 with the warning that a person who does not confess Jesus has come as God in the flesh. While they may or may not be one of the Antichrist, they at least have the spirit of Antichrist. He had them in their day, we have them in ours. Next. Do you trust God the Holy Spirit? Little children, you are from God, have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, doesn't it seem like everybody's against us? Certainly Satan, false teachers, cults, opposing worldviews, usually the powerful politicians, even our own sins that enslave us. Yet John assures the dear children of God that we are basically David facing Goliath. We will win because inside we have the Holy Spirit that's greater than all of our foes. A paraphrase of this verse might go something like, you little children, you and you only have conquered Satan, the false teachers in the world, and those with the spirit of Antichrist through the Holy Spirit within you. Now, you and I know that the forces of the prince of this world are extremely powerful, but God is infinitely more powerful, wiser, and greater. And it gets better because he is in you and he's in me. When you confessed with your mouth and truly believed in your heart that Jesus is your Messiah, his spirit took up residence within you. So, when you're tempted whether by discouragement or anxiety or sin or error, by false worldviews and teachers, simply remind yourself that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That's why Paul reminds us, reassures us in 1 Corinthians 10 that no temptation has overtaken us that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. All we have to do is trust our faithful God, trust the Holy Spirit. John later tells us in 1 John that this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Finally, Are you listening to sound teachers? Like right now? I hope you are. I hope you are. Yeah, let me tell you, you are listening to a very, very imperfect teacher. And that's why I need accountability from you. It's my prayer that I can at least reach the level of soundness. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God, listen to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, who's they in this passage? It's those who are teaching from a worldly perspective, a.k.a. false teachers. They have quite a following. And we should not be surprised that lost people act like they're lost. 
the fact that there are many of them is not surprising as well. When you watch those TV programs and the auditoriums are packed, they are huge, much like the houses of those teachers that Shaylin mentioned. Now, we can't say that all those attending are not saved. We don't know. But we do know what Jesus said in Matthew 5 about how many will go through the broad gate and walk down the broad road. And few will go through the straight gate and walk down the narrow road in their life. And I think we can conclude again that many is more than few. Now, while it sounds pleasing to hear that Jesus wants you all to avoid all pain and all trials, to have all the wealth desired, that is a satanic sermon. Those who are of the world cannot help but hear as those teachers are speaking their language, the dialect of their realm. Who wouldn't want a Jesus who is a genie? Many will listen, even though that's not the real Jesus of the Bible, and that in no way matches reality. See, our God is a God of love, but he's also a God of righteousness and justice. And his plan is bigger than any of us. And it may not fit what you and I think our lives ought to be. He may have another plan. Verse 6 gives us the contrast. Those who are from God, who have confessed and genuinely believed that Jesus is the incarnate Savior of the world, listen to the apostles and prophets found in the Bible. Willie mentioned this morning this passage. They listen because they are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Jesus speaks to those he calls children of the devil in John 8. And he tells them, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. So, for us, when we add or take away anything from Jesus, we are listening to the world and its false teachers. Adding and subtracting anything from the message of the Bible is the clear way to differentiate between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's why the teachers at Lion and Lamb teach in this way, exposing what the, Bible, the, the apostles and the prophets say in the word yet remaining accountable to other leaders and the saints of the body. The phrase spirit of error or deception carries the idea of wandering away from the truth. The commentator Matthew Henry uh, made an interesting observation. He said that truth is the foundation of counterfeits. In other words, a $1 bill is only going to pass muster if it looks a lot like the real thing. Okay? One of my sons one time advertised he wanted to sell a camera on Craigslist or eBay or whatever. And he had somebody respond. And they came over. They looked at the camera and says, great. And they handed him cash. He was delighted that he wasn't getting a check. And they said goodbye. And when he got inside, he kind of looked at it. and said, This doesn't feel quite right. 
So we called the police and they said, yeah, not worth what it's printed on. Okay? Yeah, there's still counterfeit money out there. So be warned. Um, I mentioned earlier that false teachers will speak many truths. Yeah. False teachers and their disciples have heard the truth. They teach some truth. But then they wander away. They add on and they subtract whatever fits their purpose. They may claim that Jesus is great, but he's not God. That he sinned or that his miracles were exaggerated. Or perhaps he is a savior, but not the savior. They may claim that the account of Jesus' suffering and torture and dying on the cross to pay for our sins is not a portrait of a God of love, but of a cosmic child abuser. They may say that the resurrection was made up by the disciples even though those same witnesses were martyred for refusing to recant from the claim that they had seen, spoke to, and touched the resurrected Christ. Finally, they may claim that Jesus, that God, will never judge mankind because he loves us enough to let us all into heaven. To them, God's job description is limited strictly to love. Therefore, perfect righteousness and justice need not apply. You know, um, in our world, much has been said about the war between good and evil. And, uh, you know, here we teach that we should not turn an apathetic eye to those things going on around us. The godless culture has brought us an alphabet soup of perversion and pain, STDs, drug addictions, gender confusion, pedophilia, objectification of women, human trafficking, crude communications, division based upon race for all those who share the same blood, selfishness, hypersensitivity, entitlement, rejection of sanctity of life and marriage, the breakdown of the family, isolation, hopelessness, and fatherlessness. Now, here in this church, we do not shy away from those issues because God's word does not shy away from them. We encourage you to be informed and to, to be active so that you can help others avoid the consequences of this culture. Work and serve uh, to move our culture closer to biblical principle. Work and serve imperfect leaders and imperfect candidates for, posi for positions of authority who come closest to those principles because you basically have two choices. An imperfect one or one you know is going to be a disaster. At the same time, remember how things end. God wins. Remember that you are from God, you have overcome them, and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. These false teachers, they take all forms and approaches at best, they distract us from the gospel truth by highlighting signs and wonders. At worst, they lead the unwary into a culture of this world. Thankfully, God's word gives us guidance on how to discern between truth and error, between true and false teachers. We've got to discern and protect against the deception by having assurance of our position with Christ, test the spirits, trust the Holy Spirit, and of course, read your Bible in order to know the word, the will, and the ways of God. And that's what will help you understand how to pray according to his will. As the worship team comes up, um, 
Let's go ahead and uh, if you'll stand, we're going to read this. Uh, I know that we use the English Standard Version a lot, uh, but when I'm in the Psalms, I really appreciate the poetic uh, version of the King James. So let's read that one together. Here we go. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, and I will keep thy righteous judgments.